they introduce the live forever mode to make the users immortal if they want to. Wing, uh, Alphabet Division, they actually have started a drone service. And now WhatsApp has announced communities. But sadly, the top bid for this NFT was only $280. Not $280 million, but $280 single dollars. Hi and welcome to episode 23 of the Tech Review. Every two weeks we gather to discuss the hottest topics in science, technology and innovation. On camera 4 today we have Vincent, on camera 3 we have Chris, on camera 2 we have Henrike and on camera 1 this is me, hi I'm Tarek. And of course, um, you can follow us uh, um, on all of our social media channels or on our websites, Ideas Engineering IO or Free Tech Academy. And of course, um, we are always happy to receive your messages or of course your contributions in the chat if you are live with us. Okay, and without any more delays, let's jump into the news. Let's refresh this one last time to see if there are any more links. No. Okay. But uh, today our first article comes from Chris, which is this one about blockchains. There you are. Blockchains, you're right, yeah. And blockchains have a bridge problem, apparently. So um, that is really very interesting, I thought, um, since, well, all the new technologies we are talking about, like in the tech review, very often, um, Based, right? I mean, you, of course, you have all the cryptocurrencies, but you have all the um, implied uh, developments which actually are being based on blockchains, like the metaverse and everything. Um, and those blockchains have a bridge problem. Okay, what is a bridge? So, a bridge apparently is a construct which um, is actually being used to convert cryptocurrencies from one into another. For instance, as it is said here, if you have like a blockchain based, um, uh, sorry, a Bitcoin based blockchain, you cannot like pay with uh, with Dogecoin on this blockchain. So there is something which is called bridge. That means you can wrap up, so to say, one cryptocurrency into another. So uh, into blockchain in this case and wrap this other blockchain in there, uh, sorry, this other cryptocurrency in there. And um, to do so, of course, you need uh, a little reservoir uh, on um, on this cryptocurrency you want to wrap up the other, the foreign cryptocurrency in. And um, therefore, this construct of a bridge is being used, right? Okay, I, I'm, I'm not an expert. You realize that it's quite difficult to explain. But nonetheless, a bridge is something which converts one cryptocurrency into another. And the thing is that um, if you actually want to do so, um, then or you need this bridge. And this bridge was uh, an aim of hackers during the last weeks and months. And apparently they were quite successful actually to um, hack these bridges and were able actually to to take away millions of, uh, of, of, of of coins or to hack so to say coins in the in the value of roughly thousands and and hundreds of millions worth um, US dollars um, and this is something which from my point of view is um, well more or less dangerous since I can imagine that um, 
especially since we have all these blockchain-based developments nowadays and growing in the future, this is a development um, which actually should be monitored quite um, well detailed very closely since from my point of view it might endanger um, the whole spectrum of development which is being based well on the blockchains so maybe you got the point we can discuss about it a bit. Yeah, um, I, I actually wasn't aware that uh, these things are happening. And um, of course, having this interchangeability is one of the crucial features. Um, and it's it's used quite a lot, not only in, in terms of money laundering, like uh, uh, receiving something in Bitcoin and uh, removing your trace by converting it uh, to other um, uh, cryptocurrencies. And by this, uh, you're, you're like deleting your identity uh, from from this transaction by simply having it removed uh, or your your um, ID like moved from one blockchain to another. Um, but but also because the idea of cryptocurrencies is that you can use it um, like universally. So no matter if you are preferring having like your Dogecoins or your Bitcoins, it should of course be uh, very simply possible on uh, to, to interchange this as you do with um, like the fiat coins uh, like the fiat currencies um yeah and I, i'm i'm definitely going to look into this um what this is all about with the hackers and um how they are using these um these bridges to actually steal money um and this might um destroy or uh, hurt the trust in in cryptocurrencies of course yeah because we we are all we are all depending on the blockchain to be uh un what's the word undisrupted uh uncorruptible right um so unless there's something like this 51 percent attack um it should be um your your money should be um secured in the blockchain um unless of course you have like uh, the the value drop on on the stock exchange <laughs> yeah i said this is exactly why i thought um it might be worth actually putting it into the tech review since as said um, so many developments nowadays and of course the trust in cryptocurrencies as such but especially all the metaverse developments being based on blockchains all this from my point of view might be i wouldn't say in danger but at least um, losing trust if like hacks like these are possible uh, and apparently they are so there are like various examples named here in the um, in the article and um yeah, I hope that um, that that can somehow be um, avoided. But my understanding from reading the article was that bridges seem to be. I, I said I'm not I'm not the mm. um, the, the blockchain expert, but um, since I thought that this is a very um, severe for for many of the developments we are talking about in tech reviews and well, which is more or less the future and the metaverse and whatever's coming up there. And if that is being endangered by elements, by these bridges, for instance, uh, and hackers, which actually are able um, to corrupt these elements, these bridges as part of a blockchain, then, well, of course, the whole development being built on that is endangered as well. And that is something definitely, from my point of view, worth discussing about. Did you read if this was something like a social engineering attack or was it actually a code exploit? Um, I, I just skimmed this. 
Um, I thought I read about the social engineering mm. thing, but not only. So there were actually um, various attacks. It's it's not just this one bridge. So this one bridge, which is being named here, is the Ronan Bridge. But there were also other bridges. Warmhole, uh, as named here, 4.4, uh, 4.2 billion million, sorry, um, Qubit Bridge, end of January, 320 million, um, and so on. And um, as far as I got it, this was um, hacks actually checking the security of um, the blockchains and the bridges and then um, they have been uh, given back some days later <laughs> and um, so here they really exploited the software uh, vulnerabilities um, that in the text in yeah. the article okay yeah this is really scary for everyone who's invested um, and yeah this this might blow up Let's see. Yeah, thanks for that. Yeah. Uh, I actually it's, wasn't. It's aware. interesting that it. I mean, since it's it can blow up, <laughs> it can become big. It's quite interesting that none of us actually have heard of it except for Chris, who stumbled upon this article. Right. Like, <laughs> I would have expected it to be like a bigger thing already. Yeah, of course. At this point, then. Especially if you take a look at. Maybe we're not part of the right bubble. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Apparently. <laughs> right, right. Uh, but but especially because um, there's so much money invested right now in uh, cryptocurrencies, there should be like a global uh, crisis if, if this is actually true, that there are so many vulner vulnerabilities in the bridges. Yeah. But I think that uh, this topic already is so complicated uh, in terms of people don't understand crypto blockchain and even if they understand that like the basis of it to understand why now things like nfts are so going going so viral and this market is tripling and quadrupling is that like four yeah doesn't matter um however so because i think that's the estimation for that market right now anyways i what i want to say is that this market is extremely volatile and you know it goes ups and up and down and then you hear every other day like oh crypto just fell by i don't know how many percent like so much more than regular stock go probably except for pink sheets maybe and um i think that people who do not understand how crucial or how critical this this hit on this technology is just would understand it as yeah just another day in crypto <laughs> it's the way it is in crypto right. you know it goes up and down and nobody knows <laughs> right right yeah. yeah but i mean yeah but this makes it even even more dangerous and severe then right yeah definitely so um i said also i didn't really understand the whole uh, thing behind that but but what i did understand is exactly the point you mentioned that it is a severe damage uh, of the um of, of the blockchain security and uh, that yeah of course there are implications as said every every development which is being based on that might be endangered and uh, as said it's it's not just a, a social engineering thing so as as named here in this one blockchain the ronin chain but the others that was really a, a software exploited right so there were really like so to say uh, uh techie hackers in the background who who really vulnerable 
um, endangered, so to say, um, and exploited the uh, the blockchain. So not really secure the whole thing. Right, right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, thanks for that. Um, and let's jump to the next one, which will be Henrike with Metaverse. Okay, yet another Metaverse article. <laughs> um, this one is about Somnium, Somnium space, uh, um, another Metaverse version. Um, they introduce a work on the live forever mode to make uh, the users immortal if they want to. Um, they want to save movements and conversations and uh, out of that create um, yeah, your AI duplicate in Insomnium. Um, the goal kind of is that people, like if your family members or friends then interact with your um, duplicate uh, in the AR, they will not notice that it's an AI for like 10 minutes at least before it kind of is, is apparent to them that it's not you, but, uh, but an AI. Um, and they mention a study in the article from 2020 that says that VR technology can already identify a person out of a group of 500 people with 95% accuracy after only five minutes of tracking a person's movements. So based on your movements and how you interact with others, you can be already identified like uh, with such um, big uh, accuracy. Um, and they also mentioned that Somnium invested in Tesla suit. I think we spoke about Tesla suit a couple of months ago yeah. here as well. Um, the full body haptic suit and with that one they do not give the pe the person wearing it like the uh, impression of human touch and stuff but also collect even more data like cardio and stress level etc that can also then go into their live forever mode algorithm and um, they say they will only collect the data of those who pay for it so it's by default, it's not activated, but if you decide, yeah, I want to pay for it and I want to that you guys collect the data and I can create my AI out of it, then they will do it. Um, but they will only, I think, when you are on your land within Somnium space, like in your part that belongs to you, then they will record the stuff. And um, kind of also one... Um, remark in this interview was that yeah it's kind of a scary thought that a company will have so much of your personal data etc like duh. <laughs> it is <laughs> but they say like well yeah we do not care like who you are we do not want to know your name or anything we do not collect your data for advertising purposes like meta for instance or others uh, they're emphasizing the decentralized setup of it all and uh, that you have to pay for it like it's your decision that you want to do it but when it comes to all the ethical questions in the background like what happens like if your dad and your immortal duplicate is in somnium space and then your children are like what the heck this is scary i do not want that what happens then then he just said like yeah that's questions we're discussing with our lawyers right now <laughs> like they they do not know in fact so um 
I, I think one of the last comments was they hope that users will feel comfortable giving over limitless amounts of data to the company for analysis. <laughs> I was like, yeah, yeah, who would actually feel comfortable? Like, I don't think that's the right word to use here, uh, like willing to do so, but it's still kind of a um, scary thought, all of it. I, I, I don't think it's the first time we talk about this immortal issue in, in Metaverse, but um, yeah, they now want to make it happen. Yeah, it's really scary, and uh, we, we continue. We often say that the news that we are talking about are kind of science fictiony, right? And feels like uh, we are now there where we always. Uh, I, I think last time we had this discussion about if this is uh, considered science fiction or not. Uh, but in this particular case, yeah. it's like you're telling the story, um, the exact plot of um, Westworld, right? So without, I don't want to spoil spoiler uh, spoil the the story of Westworld, but th that's kind kind of the thing. Did did anyone see Westworld? No, I haven't. But funnily enough, in this article, they also mention other science fiction stories that you can easily relate it to, yeah. like um, other plots that are quite similar to what they try to do. Because it's also because the initial like why this guy from uh, Somnium wants to do it is because his dad passed away like too soon and all of a sudden and he was like well too bad that I cannot you know like my children won't be able to interact with him or get to know him and that kind of sparked his wish of creating um, like a duplicate of his father and yeah 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 no but really it's amazing um, from the technical point of view this is um, in a what's the word inevitable right that we try to do this and then in the next years we are going to check if it's ethically okay and desirable to create these um these virtual interpretations of from you as a being from your uh, like psychological characteristics and uh, the patterns and your, your vital signs and these things yeah but it's it's always this way and i'm really curious to see if um, this will be a thing or if at some point of time we say um, like cloning humans is forbidden um, it's like cloning a human's personality in ai might be forbidden or something like that because we don't want to see this yeah but, and it's uh it's i mean it, sorry no no please go ahead no, I don't want to interrupt. Sorry. No, I, I just wanted to say, um, nevertheless, we are going to see these experiments un until it is forbidden. And maybe even if it's forbidden, uh, there might be something like a black market of uh, uh, virtual clones of people. Because as, as uh, Henrike said, there, there might be these cases where, where people say, uh, I, I lost a loved one and I want to have this, uh, this, this virtual being as a replacement because I need this to cope with my uh, with my grief or something like that. And then having like black market uh, VR people walking around. I, uh, I wanted to add that uh, this cloning thing actually is a good idea or uh, a good thought about this. Because I mean, identity theft is something that I think is very distant to all of us. I mean, if somebody steals your credit card or let's say your license license plate or something like that, yes. But I mean, it's it's called identity theft, but for real, it's not really, you know, stealing your identity. It's stealing a part of it maybe. But um, I mean, looking at this future world with avatars as the core, as the core 
of you know communication between each other and also as core of axes i mean this could totally uh, be you know leading to another and or what well not another but leading to some kind of new kind of identity theft because i mean stealing your avatar is so much easier than stealing your identity in real life obviously and um i mean i i from our technical point of view today you need a key and a password and everything to lock into your wallet for example and you know all of that stuff but this will change and I'm sure that people will find a way or even maybe want a way where they just lock into their avatar because it is so unique that why would you need another type of, you know, certification or anything to go and do whatever you want to do. So this identity theft could be even more crucial than in real world because in real world, well, it's pretty easy to, you know, state your case that you're obviously the person and not the imposter. But, you know, there, I mean, it's much harder. So, uh, yeah, we'll see. Yeah. 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 And then especially like the quality aspect that comes to it, right? When they already say that there, you, you can identify someone with 95% accuracy only from tracking five minutes of how they move and behave, etc. And then thinking about how many data they are going to collect over a longer period of time. And like having the goal, like that at least for 10 minutes, no one should realize it's an AI and not the real person. And how that will, I mean, how that will be, because it's sometimes already funny now if you meet someone on the street and you're like, oh, wait, that person looks like, I don't know, Vincent or. I heard a voice and I thought it's you and turned around it was someone else like what that does with us already in that scenario and then if you have it like uh, virtually and, and you cannot really tell anymore um, yeah funny funny thought kind of. right yeah sounds also a little bit like like a scam thing I mean um, like giving all your data and for this very specific purpose i mean we, we had these platforms these ai platforms which um do exactly what insomnia does so that um they recreate a personal's identity and and give uh, actually the chance for their family members um, after they have passed away to meet them again so but here it's one step further right as you have described you have like this specific feature then you have um the vr identification so which is um which is which is a common thing in vr that you are actually m m more easy actually uh, or it's easier to identify yourself um just by your movements and everything because you have so much more data in vr than just like uh, by typing on 2d desktop but um now this is all coming together. And uh, as you said, Vincent, now you have like more or less 100% profile of your identity. And I mean, think of what's possible with that. I mean, for instance, uh, you, you could manipulate people um, in, in a way which is not imaginable uh, nowadays, right? So if, if, you, uh, if, if, if your family members actually get into this whatever kind of metaverse and meet you after you have well gone and then um, you tell them whatever 
good things, bad things, and who controls this avatar? Maybe it is you. Maybe maybe a maybe the AI really is is so much authentical that it really behaves like you. But maybe there's also other influences, right? So um, somebody uh, who actually. Uh, uh, is looking for advantage in letting the avatar act in a specific way to his family family members left behind and um, tell them whatever give me all your money <laughs> or something like that i mean um broad spectrum of manipulation possible there yeah i will have my clone attend uh, all the meetings that i don't want to go to yeah, and, and the second thing, of course, is it's, it's very specific, right? So, I mean, this um, this metaverse, once again, another metaverse, but um, this this seems to be a very specific use case then for, for, for this. So, is, apparently, it's a VR metaverse. Is there also other use cases like what games or some kind of social economics or um, crypto economics or something or... It, creating things selling things buying things or is it really just this one use case so that's also interesting questions so probably it's not part of this article but um would be also interesting to know if if that is the only case or if there's other use cases or of that is just a little part of the spectrum which they offer right right okay uh yeah let's jump to the next one this one would be vincent with whatsapp yeah, please. Um, very, very interesting. I brought it with me last time already. It was a, a rumor back then. And now WhatsApp has announced communities. And communities is a new way to communicate with people you maybe want to talk with, but you don't want to talk with, you know, uh, privately maybe, but still they're part of your community. And I think, uh, again, I mentioned it already last time, but WhatsApp really saw a dent being taken away through Telegram. And because they, on the one hand, well, are part of Meta and, you know, people who use Telegram usually really favor that Telegram is not part of a big corporate, um, you know, targeted at uh, making profits or a lot of profits. But yeah, communities now um, brings the key feature of or what people liked about Telegram, that you could be part of a group or part of a community talking to each other without having everybody invite you. Uh, well, they're bringing it to WhatsApp. And it's a bit different. I think it is much smarter, actually, because what they do is that they create a community. And within this community, you can create chats. You can create groups. So it's a bit like Slack, maybe, where you have all these different chats under one community. Um, I mean, we don't know uh, what's going to happen in the future with uh, Meta and Slack, but uh, uh, please get back to me if I'm right about this purchase. We'll see. Um, anyways, uh, it, there is a video you can watch. Uh, we don't have to watch it now, but because I think the screenshots describe everything. So you can enter a community, let's say the one of your building. That's the example that's WhatsApp using. And then there are different groups for different things you can be part of, you know, the market probably just as the video is showing but uh, you don't want to probably go and play football with them because you don't like sports so you don't join that group uh, or you know you don't want to help your uh, neighbors moving because I'm pretty sure that's the next example well uh, you skip that group as well but then having lunch with them together is again great so you enter that group it's really 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 diverse it's really cool I think it brings a lot of um, this 
broader, not one-to-one -one communication to WhatsApp, which I think it lacked in the past. One bigger problem, but this is the same problem as Telegram still is that maybe you want to be anonymous entering those communities, but uh, well, obviously you're entering with your number, you're entering just as Telegram, by the way, you're entering with your avatar just as with Telegram. So um, this is something that still is a bit, you know, under critique because um, maybe you want to enter groups and not let everybody know that you're Vincent from next door. But um, yeah, on the other hand, there are a lot of groups where you probably don't care about that. So not really a big point, maybe. But it's really, really cool. Yeah. So who's actually creating those communities then? You can create can you any create community. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you can create any community and within you can create like uh, groups again or chats. Yeah. And if someone from my contact list creates a community, I can I see that and I can join if I want to or like how can I also see communities for people I'm not, you know, I do not have the number on my phone yet. So I don't, it's not really stated there, um, but as far as I understood the feature, it can be an open community or a private community, just as a, on Telegram, where you can, you know, search for communities and you either find one or you don't. Um, I think the key message here is that now you can really share uh, links to communities and enter those communities without knowing anybody. So I think we all know on Reddit, when we scroll through whatever Reddit we're scrolling through and you have, say, a Discord or a Telegram chat um, where the same topic is discussed, we probably see that there too. And you click on the link and you're automatically invited. And that is, I think, the key feature WhatsApp wanted to bring to WhatsApp so that WhatsApp is not losing this fight in terms of, hey, we're not only a one-to-one -one chat group, we're more. Plus, there's another big point is that Especially through, um, especially through the the conflict with Russia, the war from or, uh, the war between Russia and Ukraine, you saw that people started to, to share things in private groups, or companies started to not only with Russia, but companies basically started to use broadcast and broadcast lists to you know communicate to a lot of people the same stuff. And it wasn't meant for that because it is much more private. And now they brought communities uh, into the app so that also commercial use it has now its place. And um, also sharing content to more than one or more than six, I think that's the limit right now, uh, it has its own place so that the user understands that there is a distinction between, hey, this is a non-certified news article of a pro-Russian website that my friend shared to, okay, I'm in a community that probably is a bit pro-Russian, so there's this link, it got shared. And I understand that this is different to my distant friend from this party once shared it with me. Yeah, I think at the end, um, this feature might actually be then the, the feature that enables WhatsApp to collect all users who want to stay in like the the uh, WhatsApp sphere without having to go to Facebook groups or maybe even Telegram to use this feature. And the only people who will remain on Telegram are those who are concerned with privacy and who dislike the face, sorry, the meta the meta uh, corporation and do not want to have any of their apps on their phone. Yeah. 
I think that Telegram has a bit more options though. So Telegram is really big in bots. They just launched an update, I think today, uh, about how bots act on, in chats. And this is something WhatsApp does not have that much yet. Um, and so Telegram is easier to use for a bigger groups who like to, you know, do a lot of automated functionalities. But uh, again, it, this is something that I think only a few really big niches are using and not really the whole community. Yeah, um, super in interesting. And at the end, I think um, all of these, it's, it's really interesting to see how all of these messengers and networks are growing um, together by duplicating the other most important uh, features, right? And we see this on Snapchat and on TikTok and Facebook and uh, kind of everyone merges to the same feature set. And uh, I'm, I'm not 100% yeah. sure if this is always a good thing because um, usually you, you, have, you, you also enjoy the simplicity of an app and have this one purpose and use it for this particular purpose And uh, for example, Microsoft Teams is a very, very powerful tool. But from my point of view, it has too many features. And uh, usually when I use Microsoft Teams, I, I lose like track about all the groups and chats and everything. And sometimes I wish that it would be like a more simple app and concentrate on like one feature so that I'm not always lost in all the information. And so um, I, I'm not sure if, um, if I will like um, having this new added complexity in WhatsApp because right now I, I really enjoy that it's simply Messenger and I open it up and I see the, the messages. I have multiple chats. That's it. Yeah. But let's see. I mean, they, they yeah. obviously um, have an idea of what they are uh, going towards. Chris? I mean, complexity is okay as long as you can manage it, right? right. So this is exactly uh, the problem in Teams. You have so many like chats and channels and everything. And um, sometimes you have like important information in one of these chats and channels, but later on after a week or four weeks or so, when you um, think about that and, and you remember, yeah, there was something that was really important and then try to find it again, it's almost <laughs> impossible. Right. You always need this pioneer to change the business. I mean, look at, um, so, I mean, it is really powerful to have all in one hand. I mean, look at Meta. Meta has Facebook Messenger, which is now, a or not now, since uh, like if, I think already a few years now, a standalone messaging app because Meta knows that a lot of people use WhatsApp for messaging. And then they have Instagram and Instagram also told us that they're doubling down on messaging because people like to message there. And you also see that there are features growing in, for, in Instagram on Instagram, like best friends and specific lists. So you kind of have communities there too, or let's say groups maybe. And then there is WhatsApp. So Meta definitely knows its, knows its stuff when it comes to messaging. And that is really powerful. But this is exactly as tight as you're saying it. It's really dangerous because they all grow into the same direction and have a lot of complexity and it's brought everywhere. Because just as you said, I mean, look at the rollout of this crazy rollout of stories we had years ago because Meta owned all these companies and said, well, let's bring it to all of them at once. And all of these apps are suddenly had this. And then there is always this pioneer like Telegram changing the business. But you first of all, you need that. 
And I think that's the danger with these big companies and corporations that they, you know, they undermine new ideas coming up. And I, I'm not 100% sure, please stop me if that's wrong, but I think Telegram at least started out as a nonprofit organization and that really helped. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I have a very strong opinion on messages. <laughs> no, it's fine. I think it's probably one of the most important apps or the, the category of messaging apps is one of the most important apps that we all have on our phones. Okay, yeah, let's jump to the next one. This one is mine. Uh, it's TikTok, TikTok news. <laughs> And the topic is that TikTok has an own AR development platform. And this one is not that new. They launched this AR development platform called called where is it Effect House, yeah. Um, and they launched it. They they launched it. I think last last year. Uh, but nevertheless, they are now moving closer to this this realm of Snapchat and Meta when it comes to effect libraries. And uh, basically, uh, so far, um, I think um, Snapchat was like the big player of uh, this this um, option of creating these effects by yourself. And it's it's it was already available for a closed beta for 450 selected creators. And these affected uh, these created effects uh, so far have already been used in 1.5 billion videos with 600 billion views globally. So um, it's already heavily used. Uh, and so it looks like a great success and they do not have to create like only their own effects. Um, and the Effect House Beta will now be open for all creators. That's why it's newsworthy. Um, and uh, guess who already downloaded the development kit? <laughs> Because I'm I'm really really excited uh, to look how 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 the usability is, and if you actually need to be a developer to to build something like that, or if like every 13 year old uh, TikTok enthusiast will be able to just jump in and create effects like that. Um, and uh, the the one other aspect that is meant no uh, meant it's worthy to mention is that, um, of course, there will be community guidelines or there already uh, exist community guidelines for what effects are okay to develop. Um, for example, just forbidden um, to promote colorism or negative stereotypes or something like promotion of cosmetic surgery, right? Um, or mocking someone else's appearance or these things, which should be kind of common sense. Um, but at the same time, or there are already so many um, effects in TikTok's library that use something like beauty filters, right? Making me slimmer or remove like uh, things on my skin or, or these things or make my lips more beautiful. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but, but this is kind of what they are forbidding with a promotion of uh, plastic surgery, for example. So uh, let's see how they will actually moderate this because these beauty filters, I think they are the most popular filters on TikTok because they are so easy to use and everyone wants to look beautiful on video. Um, and so I'm, I'm not 100% sure if they will revisit their own guidelines or if they will touch community produced content or filters in a different way than their own filters. Yeah. But um, especially because TikTok is now like the biggest player in this, um, uh, this social media video creation realm, um, I think this, this is another big step for enabling content creators to be really, really uh, creative. Um, not only with their content, but also with the effects. Yeah. I think what's really, really, really dangerous, I think that's the most dangerous thing for Snapchat because Snapchat is so focused on AR. I mean, they have this glass company um, doing exactly that. 
And they they've been always they always have been really big in terms of hey we're using AR and our filters are better for creators and they're also better for ad actually. I I mean look at their um, investors call. They always promote how much better snaps perform when uh, filters and AR techniques are used. And now there's TikTok and TikTok, I mean, basically is designed for replication. I mean, think of the old age about Instagram and Facebook when people did this, took the same photo, applied the same effects and edit whatever, it was a bad thing. And then TikTok came and changed the game entirely. And now the whole platform is about replicating what other people are doing. And with that, it becomes really dangerous for Snapchat because if you're if you're coming to a platform to replicate something that other people have created, it is so much more powerful than just you know showing off the effect somebody created and that's it. And you don't replicate it because Snapchat is a one-way platform. I, I know that would disagree probably in terms of you can participate on Spotlight, but still, it is much more one-way than Snapchat uh, than TikTok is. So I think this is. TikTok's way of launching a super aggressive attack against Snapchat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's funny that you refer to it as the old age, which is something not even 10 years ago. So Ancient. Like, yeah, yeah. No, but also coming back to, to your comment, Tarek, with the beauty filter and stuff, I mean, it would be quite progressive if they would stick to the guideline they created and you know really forbid these things but i'm sadly enough i i don't think that will happen because as you mentioned it's the most popular filter on instagram tiktok snapchat you name it so um it would be great but i i doubt it that they will stick to it right okay uh let's jump to the next one because as always, we are we are so invested in the discussion that we are not able to go through it. <laughs> oh yeah, right. And uh, there was another link from Chris. Let's pull this one because for some reason it did not reach um, it did not reach the uh, the tool. Wait, I had it in here. Enrique, I hope that this tool is reshuffling every card after the one shown because the next one is you with Elon Musk and Twitter. And I, I I added the same link, so I hope it reshuffles. <laughs> okay, so Chris. Yeah, this one I liked a lot. Um, it's about uh, Wing, um, Alphabet Division, and um, they actually have started a drone service uh, in Dallas and the environment there. And that is really cool, uh, since they, from now on, or yeah, from, from April on, 7th of April, they deliver um, like lots of things of everyday life, right? Starting with sushi, bubble tea, as uh, they name it here, smoothies, um, products, merchants, uh, from merchants in the shopping center, uh, medical health, everything you need, um, which actually can be packed into a little parcel, put onto a drone, and then sent to you um, directly, right? Airways. And uh, this is quite cool. I mean, this year, um, they have like, uh, or last year, actually, they had more than 100,000 deliveries. So um, that was, it's quite a number, I think. And um, even until now, they have, uh, as they say, 200,000 real deliveries to date. 
And I mean, this this is really um, quite striking, right? That the drone service is really, really people like it, that people use it. And um, yeah, that it is so successful. So the packages actually should not be heavier than, than more than uh, 1.5 kilograms. And the drone itself is able to carry it um, like in a round trip of 10 kilometers. So also that quite a way. Um, and they have actually started that, I think, in 2019 or so in Australia. Um, and now they have shifted that to, as I said, the US, um, the Dallas area. And this is very important for them because before that, it was actually being um, used in, in smaller communities, right? So the houses and the villages were a little bit um, like flocked over the country and now with um, the city launch the whole thing of course is a big deal um the houses are being closer to each other the community is bigger and um yeah so they will there's lots of potential for this for this new service also parts of the future also something Tarek, you might call um it have called science fiction in the past and now it's coming to life right um, and I'm I'm still curious to see, especially in Germany, <laughs> because everything is so restricted in Germany, if, <laughs> if this will be kind of uh, possible. And one thing that um, I uh, also learned now while I'm traveling in the US, um, there are so many restrictions regarding flying drones. And there are so many areas where people or where, where the community do not want like private people to have drones flying around. Uh, and so I'm, I'm really skeptical if something like drone deliveries in urban areas will be a thing in the future, because right now it feels like drones are unwanted. Yeah. And of course, it, it would be very practical to um, avoid having everything delivered by car because it's very, very um, like slow and cumbersome. And the fleet of drones flying around uh, having like these, these small fast delivery be, de deliveries would be very advantageous. Uh, but I'm I'm really I'm really skeptical if if this will be a thing because drones are forbidden in, in most places. Yeah. Um, I think so. I would I mean I, we can't answer this now, but uh, I would be really interested in seeing why Amazon canceled their drone program because I mean they used to have it, they canceled it quite some time ago, um, and it was stuff like regulations and communities and especially air aerospace uh you cannot f fly through but i mean uh, the us and australia are i'm i think perfect for these kinds of technology and europe is a bit different because europe is so much more so much smaller and uh not designed for big uh, streets and cars and a lot of traffic But there, I mean, it, it seems like a great idea. And I mean, looking at even looking at autonomous cars, an autonomous drone, of course, obviously, is so much better. One very stupid question I have, though, besides that, why Amazon killed their program, is why or what Alphabet exactly is doing there? Like, why Alphabet? I, I mean, yeah, I get. But this is so off topic that I... I don't know <laughs> because they can. <laughs> yeah, I, and that that sadly that is pretty sure that's the answer. Yeah, yeah. yeah but the idea is cool, and yeah, I mean uh, probably it's not there in the market and delivering. 
this is not meant for big cities, right? This, as you said, this is more for rural environments, uh, little um, villages, uh, maybe also like town-like villages, if you want to call it like that. But um, the thing is that, as we can see it here, the houses are largely distributed, right? And this is probably the key. So there is not like big skyscrapers or something. It's just like one house. And this is probably um, the form formula for success for this whole delivery service via drones. Otherwise, it would be difficult to deliver um, that number 154 on the left hand side. So that might be more difficult. Yeah, I, I guess this is exactly the answer that uh, densely populated areas can be efficiently delivered by uh, like a delivery truck and a delivery driver. But having like this driver have to drive an hour into a rural area to deliver one package is very, uh, very bad. And, and for this particular use case, you probably will send a drone, right? So this might exactly be um, this, um, this, the, the, the use case for drones. Yeah. Okay. Or I mean, maybe fast delivery, also something, mm -hmm. because as far as I understand, well, or I don't know actually, but I mean, a drone that is autonomous would fly any day, any night. So with the right supply setup, um, this drone is much, much faster. And looking at, say, people who either are okay with the top up price or say companies who just which just need stuff like right away uh, this could be probably a market because it is it, it's much faster yeah okay the next one is then <laughs> let's see enrique with elon musk <laughs> <laughs> but i think we can summarize our articles and put them together because it's it's about the same topic um also like following up on last tech reviews news that elon got nine point something percent of twitter uh shares he now made the offer last thursday to buy 100 percent of twitter um and uh he said that if the offer is not accepted they, he needs to reconsider his position as a shareholder um in total, but also said in a recent TED talk last week that he has a plan B that he didn't want to share anything about at this point. But it's just simply going to be interesting to see how this evolves over the next days or weeks. Um, the reason why he made the offer, he kind of not really says said a lot about it, but he just mentioned that he believes that Twitter being the platform for free speech around the globe. Um, and he wants to um, enable it or like, you know, uh, that it has its full potential and really becomes this place of free speech. Um, it's not a move to make money, he says. It's more about um, like also getting trust back and making the algorithm open source, for instance, and um, make it available for everyone. Um, also, this new editing feature that Twitter is also actually working on right now. He also mentioned that once more, that this is also crucial that you can see when someone edited their tweet or whatever, so that it's visible that it's not the original one anymore and, and you cannot do something behind the scenes, um, but it's um, it's visible and uh, all of that. So um, there 
in the TED talk, I don't know if you've seen that one. In the article, they link to to the TED talk as well, I think, um, or at least to another article, which then leads to the TED talk, like a rabbit hole. Um, <laughs> but um, he was also asked about, um, yeah, how about speech platforms being controlled by single individuals? Isn't that dangerous, etc.? Um, and kind of also pointing to Zuckerberg. Um, owning Facebook, Instagram, WhatsApp, with their ownership structure that allows even Mark Zuckerberg the 14th to control all of it, um, which is in fact true. <laughs> it's not something that he aims to to do with Twitter, so he he ruled that one out. But um, yeah, it's, it's interesting to see how this goes now, like what Twitter's response will be, um, how they will react. And what's his plan B in the end? Uh, for, for one reason, I really don't like this development because um, we saw a, a similar discussion when Donald Trump was kind of censored in his use of Twitter because um, his content was very misleading and we, we call it like fake news and distribution lies. And uh, so from, from at least my perspective, it was a good move um, to restrict his access to, to this platform of Twitter, even though it is kind of a censorship. Um, but, but then it was very clear what uh, Donald Trump was doing. Now that uh, Elon Musk is kind of saying the same thing, that um, this, this power of a single social network or communication platform um, is handled badly and, and uh, he will start fighting it or changing it, um, it kind of revisits um, this point where we had to, or we as a society or Twitter had to restrict Donald Trump. And then it's the question if this was in fact a bad thing or um, the wrong thing to do. Um, and if the way that, that censorship or moderation of these platforms is handled is, is uh, correct in the way it is done right now or not. And Donald Trump, he, he created like his own truth network, right? Uh, his own messaging or communication platform. Um, and th this seems to be the course that we are going, that now everyone <laughs> creates their, their own bubble or their own uh, communication platform. Yeah, maybe that. to remark, sorry, just two remarks to that, because that was also mentioned in the, in the TED talk, like, he um, said that, first of all, like he's not a fan of like banning people completely from the platform, but rather give them like a time out or whatever um, as, a, as a measure of, um, you know, stopping them from this. this. But, um, also saying like free speech in in line with the law, like with, you know, but then again, like, how do you moderate it? How do you control it? Um, and where's the where's the line? you know who, who decides when it's like those edge cases um still he i don't think he he also mentioned he doesn't have all the answers now but this is something what how he envisions it um but yeah it's uh we're going to be interesting but but vincent you wanted to say something no i just wanted to add that i think uh he to prove that this is not something to make money off he said that and this is something he did before actually a few times saying it not actually doing it but he said that he's going to take the company private so there are no shareholders or there are but i mean for example axel springer has the same uh, setup at the moment uh not as many looking at dividends and looking at the money in the end and more um, shareholders 
who share the vision and invest because this is what they want to do in the future. And also the company would be extremely autonomous looking something looking at things like ad for ads for example on twitter i mean twitter is reliant on ad money and uh, in that case it would be much more satellite to effects say on the ad market and that people spend money there and uh yeah i think his plan b i mean there is this rumor of him doing that uh, saying that he has this plan B to signal that he will just shell, sell his shares, uh, which in the end would make him a lot, a lot, a lot of money because Twitter shares went up by, I think, up to 30% after his announcement and after his offer and everything. So, I mean, he invested, invested around three, no, three billion dollars. Yeah, three billion dollars uh, in the end of these shares and with them going up a quarter. Uh, well, it's um, close to a billion he made there then. So this plan B actually could be quite interesting. Also, Twitter is really scared, I think, of this happening because in that case, when he will, if, if Musk leaves this platform, he probably will also leave as a protagonist on there, which will then, this is what people are scared of. I don't know if this actually will happen, but will then result in Twitter shares dropping. Uh, badly and that of course through the structure of being a public company publicly traded uh, will of course lead to the result that dumping or re rejecting Musk's offer will hurt the company uh, significantly so I think that right now this is really dangerous and I think the only countermeasure they can make is splitting shares so you know um, you know, uh, and selling a lot of Twitter shares so that Musk is not the only shareholder out there. Right. And you said um, you had by kind of like the same article. Um, or what was I had the same. And then one more, what exactly is meant by free speech? But Henrico mentioned and you that uh, the, you know, the Donald Trump example, but is the perfect example because this is exactly what I mean, Henrique, I think uh, it's also mentioned in your article that um, this actually is the best example for Musk to say, well, there is a difference between blocking illegal content and content you don't like. Right, right. Yeah, let's see. Uh, if, <laughs> But still, um, I, I will follow uh, Elon Musk <laughs> on whatever the network he's on because his content is always very very good <laughs> okay uh, yeah but also very controversial i mean yeah this is i mean this is exactly the question is the free speech musk is envisioning uh free speech because i mean he also <laughs> challenged uh vladimir putin uh putin to a fist fight about the destiny of ukraine and um even though we all know this is a joke The question still stands, well, is this the type of communication platform you want to be on? And I mean, this, this tweet is still up. So obviously it's a, a very legal tweet and a very legal thing to do. But uh, still, if this is the destiny of your communications platform, uh, the one you probably maybe get your news from, you follow your favorite creators to see what they're doing, get up updates on niches, I don't know. The question is, is this maybe just one 
one more step too far. I mean, it's the same with, I don't want to start with this topic again, but it's the same discussion with Telegram. And it's very unmodern communities feature, which is different on WhatsApp now. Right, right. But okay. Is Chris? there really, um, is there really, well, a clear answer on that or measurement or whatever you want to call it? I mean, free speech, what is free speech, right? So uh, you name it or you, you said it. So um, does free speech end where uh, illegal things actually start, the illegal uh, limit or border or does free speech actually end if on the other side somebody just don't like what you say and who is somebody, right? So that is not a homogeneous group. So it, it doesn't matter what you say. Um, there's always people who like it and who don't like it. And um, so and, and then sometimes people who don't like what you say, maybe they are just um, majority. And then they say, yeah, this is, well, we don't like it and it's immoral or whatever. So free speech is um, not accepted any longer if something like that comes out. But maybe you are right, at least from your point, you are right. But maybe also from other people's point, you are right which maybe might be minority, but it doesn't mean that they are like not on the right side, on the right track. So also a majority can can be on, on the on the wrong track with their opinion. We have that very often in history. And um, if, if they say, so this is something we don't want because uh, this does not meet our idea of free speech, then we just cut it off and then you have censorship. So I don't think that this that this answer is to be or this question is to be answered clearly in whatever kind of way there is no wrong there is no right in this discussion from my point of view there's only a gray zone right so only something in between and uh, of course we see the limits we see the borders when it gets illegal yeah i'm i'm with that but all the rest should be more or less at least uh parts of free speech so from that point of view i understand um musk's motivation but of course it has the, the danger uh, <laughs> that he uses uh, his power which he then might have in, in twitter for for other purposes other reasons and um well as Tarek, as you said let's see what happens right so and then we can judge or, or now we can speculate and in one month, two months, half years time, we can tell more about it and maybe see in what direction the whole thing goes. Difficult topic. Right, right. So um, I will quickly load my last article. Um, and I really love this uh, because Jack Dorsey's first treat, uh, tweet was sold uh, as an NFT for $2.9 million last year. Um, Jack Dorsey is, of course, um, the founder of Twitter, as you probably know, uh, and the buyer now wants to resell this NFT, and he listed it for forty uh, for for um, was it uh, forty eight million dollars, I think. Um, but sadly, the top bid for this NFT was only two hundred and eighty dollars, not two hundred eighty million, but two hundred eighty single dollars. And this is this is really. I mean, it's sad for the the person who bought um, this NFT or tries to sell this NFT, but um, really interesting for everyone who's observing this NFT market. And um, 
that's the reason why I think this this article is really newsworthy because uh, we are constantly speculating if NFTs are only a hype or a bubble that will burst um, or if it will become the next big thing, right? Uh, as it is promised. Um, and this concrete example shows that digital collectibles might not necessarily become more valuable over time as you expected from like regular physical collectibles. Um, and this is, of course, right now only one case that are, we are observing. But if this happens now regularly, then investors will stop buying NFTs because there are obviously no ROIs, right? Um, they are buying the stuff and then they own this, this entry on the blockchain without being able to do anything without it and not being able to resell it for profit. And this is exactly the promise that you make when you buy like NFTs. They are rare and so they will increase in value. Um, and so I'm, I'm really closely observing if, if this will be now a pattern that people who are buying NFTs, then that's it. You own it. Yeah? And uh, this, this is really creepy if you buy I, like for one million dollars something and then it's basically worth nothing because nobody is willing to pay you anything for it or like 280 dollars. Yeah, so that's it. <laughs> uh, one question I have there. Yeah. So. Yeah, no, no, that's it. Yeah. Please go ahead. Uh, one more question I have there is if this is just not bad luck, uh, because I mean, there are a lot of collectibles which probably are very hyped and then they're just lose value. I mean, we can see that probably with technology you can collect. I mean, think about the first Macintosh or the Apple II or iPhone or whatever, it is extremely hyped. And now, I mean, when you try to for buy a, a, a Macintosh, it's it's incredibly expensive. But this is also due to Apple's hype uh, and success on the market. And I can totally see a world where this just gets, you know, I mean, look at say the first PlayStation or the first Atari. I mean, Atari is a company that's non-existing any longer. And uh, this may be a collectible for some, but for a lot of people, it's just plastic. So um, it may be this NFT. I'm not, I, I don't want to say the NFT market is a great market. I'm not a big fan of NFTs and trading them and all of that, but minting stuff you think is valuable and stuff. It doesn't matter. Um, what I think though is that this maybe it's just bad luck because nobody cares. Nobody cares about that tweet. <laughs> and it is the same with collectibles. There are collectibles which stay and some collectibles are just uh, a phase and they just fade away, but still they're all part of the same group collectibles. And it's just, there are some that are interesting and some stupid monkeys nobody will care about in a year. Right. I mean, of course, if you see those NFTs are literally collectibles and you want to collect them and own them, then of course, go ahead. But my speculation is that most people who are investing millions into NFTs, they are like literally investing. And usually when you invest, if you invest sure, in they something, want to flip them. right, yeah. you, you expect some form of return and outcome and profit. And this might not be the case. Yeah. And this might cause this market to collapse. Because the, the collectible itself is literally an entry in the blockchain. You do not really own something. You don't have anything in your hand. Yeah, but th this was my personal favorite. Okay, but, yeah. but yes. It also depends a little bit on the use case then, right? So what is the collectible, right? Is it something which is available in the internet for everybody? So, okay, you own it, but who cares? 
or is is it connected with some unique uh, digital asset, right? Like in a game or so, you have like a variable uh, board which is more or less unique and only you have it and um, it's being connected with, with an NFT and then you can sell it and then you somebody else has it like like a real um well real variable right so that is something where where the uniqueness makes the difference and i think here with this tweet i mean um well we have a tweet you can have a look at it i don't know probably it's i mean it's it's you can have a look at it whenever you want wherever you want so that that is not something which has this uniqueness and if you own it or not nobody cares the, as you said then it's just an mm. entry in the database which is absolutely not interest, uh, interesting for anybody. Yeah. But if something unique asset, some something some unique value actually is connected behind the NFT or the other use case, for instance, uh, um, NFT as an entry pass or something, mm -hmm. right? So there it might make sense, questionable, but it works more or less, right? So you only get an entry to the party or whatever, virtual party, if you have like an NFT as an entry pass, otherwise you wouldn't get in. So that might have some kind of value then, but yeah. that's different to to the specific case. Yeah, of course you're right. If if this NFT actually is an item that you can use for something, then then of course it is as valuable as the item that you would buy without the the, the blockchain itself. And this this will of course keep um, being value because gamers or VR content creators they will be able to use this. Um, in, in this particular case, of course, the, the example was this this digital collectible which is an arbitrary entry of a physical thing weird that i call the tweet a physical thing but yeah it, it's not like connected to some real thing that you can do with it um, and so may, maybe of course i have to um, call this like a like a relative term uh, so if we talk about these these real life digital collectibles like tweets um, in comparison to digital assets in games where NFTs might actually make sense in, in, a, in a practical sense. Yeah. And so may, maybe the market will shift and um, will concentrate or, or will move to these things that you can actually utilize for some use case. But digital art, which is only there to own and not doing anything with it, might die if, if um, this return of invest will not um, come to yeah. fruition. Okay, yeah, then that's a good end for the session. We are already 12 minutes over, but uh, as always, I thank you for all the nice um, content, the articles. I'm always looking forward to this. And uh, next time I will be back in Berlin, then the, the infrastructure will be more stable again. Uh, so I wish you a great Tuesday afternoon, I think. It's, it's, it's a Tuesday. <laughs> for me, it's Tuesday in the uh, morning. Uh, not, not afternoon, though. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> So thank you again and see you next time. If you are hearing this message, you've listened to the entire episode. And for that, we here at Tech Review want to thank you from the bottom of our hearts. We hope this new episode was valuable for you. And if it was, please leave us a review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts or wherever you are listening to us right now. Share this episode with others who could also like it. Do you have a topic that you'd like to see covered in future episodes? Don't hesitate to tell us in the comments or on social media. We hope you'll be back for the next episode.